0: This week, Joe and I are having a catch up about our D and D games, our tabletop experiences over the past couple of weeks. How quarantine has changed the way we play and our realization on the game. We're also going to talk about wizards and classes and skills. And to be honest, have just a real good D and D themed catch up. Welcome to We Speak Common. Okay. Hello, Joe. Hello, Benjamin. Oh, it's always in with the Benjamin. I feel so formal.
1: Well, this is a serious affair, Ben, you know. I don't want to I don't want to get too friendly with you over this, you know. Yeah. Term.
0: Yeah. We don't we want to don't want to bridge that gap. We want to be able to have a good old heated debate.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't want you know, I don't want to get things too too personal, mm. too Mm. too close you know when we may severely disagree and then you know
0: um there is no room for banter here
1: is what you're saying yeah, yeah. pretty much is what i'm saying yeah pretty much is what i'm saying <laughs> how are you mate how are you doing um you know i'm alive so there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's that.
0: okay that's what that's optimistic i like it uh, i too am alive yeah. so that's that's nice um
1: well, you got to count your blessings these days, have not you? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm alive no, and right. well. Um... I'm all right. I mean, uh, this weekend actually, as we you know, recorded on a Sunday, mm-hmm. obviously we're playing playing D and D a bit later today. But I've done so much tabletop role playing this weekend. Oh, tell so. me more. Well, yesterday I did like four five hours probably more like five hours of um star wars yeah with hulk and the boys and that was pretty awesome right i mean we're still getting our heads around the system to be honest but it it's like really coming on now we we sit well i say we i mean hulk basically spent like three days on a crash course on like roll 20 <laughs> okay right and we basically built all our characters into Roll20. So all the macros are set up. You have your character sheet built into the program and everything. So you want to do an action, you just press the little dice symbol. It'll roll that check for you. Job done. He adds the difficulty on his end. Mm-hmm. So ooh, it's, everything's just fed into the dice pool. It's just one click, um, which was really, really good. And it was handy because I was essentially playing two player characters at that point, just because we had a couple of guys miss him from mm-hmm. that session. Um, and so was the other guy, but it was so easy, like literally, and you can pop out the character sheets. So I had them both on another screen side by side. And I could just, again, just click on the different buttons on those sheets and they would roll what we need to roll. And then it all culminated in like this big action where we had like, cause essentially we're doing, we're like part of the rebellions. We have our own little squadron of people. Nice you know uh, Russ Squadron represent you know but um <laughs> <laughs> we did this thing where we had to uh, like do this big assault on these like transport ships that were mm-hmm. guarded by a bunch of TIE fighters and stuff try and dock with one rescue this uh this general of ours and, and get away and how we did it is that we had essentially this other whole squadron like protecting us as we were going in so we were playing um our characters obviously that were in like Landis like shuttle ships trying to get there. Mm -hmm. We had another one of our player characters who again wasn't there. So I was playing him in like an X wing type ship covering us. Um, And then we had like five or six different other ships that were all part of um, Russ Squadron. So we commanded those as well and so we we did their actions and then on top of that we did mass combat rules for like the other squadrons that were going that were in this battle so this massive stuff loads and loads of characters at play and like it was just never confusing and extremely easy nice so that that just proved to me that the the rules for that game are just slick Mm -hmm. and they just work and literally each entire round of combat took like 10 minutes you know yeah it, it, it was fast and um that was really fun and then once we'd finished up with that game i ran my star wars solo game for my brother mm-hmm. that was really really fun as well um because he's completely new to tabletop rpgs he played a tiny bit of dnd before but didn't really like it at the time that was a few years ago and um he's just get he's obviously he's really into star wars at the moment and it, it helps when you know the universe yeah um so it was a good jumping off point. and what it was kind of interesting DMing for him because he's slowly getting his head around, you know, what you can and can't do in an RPG and hmm. the fact that you can do a lot of things in an RPG. But I've had it very... I started off very kind of streamlined and really focused. So I would just jump him into scenes where the scene is, like, already in motion... Mm-hmm. and stuff is already happening he already has a purpose there so you know it's almost like <laughs> i've got the blind that's on the horse you know yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So it's just <laughs> there's one way to go for now and i'm like slowly you know easing off on the reins and just letting him do what he wants but it's worked out quite well because it's been a much better introduction to the game than when we played dnd before because he's just slowly finding his purpose somebody wants to do and, and getting in touch with the character yeah and yeah. With the mechanics as well, like, and, and Star Wars is quite it's quite easy to understand. Once you understand how the dice work, obviously, so you don't roll numbered dice. They're all proprietary, like, symbol dice. Mm-hmm. But once you understand how the dice pool works, it's very, very easy because um, every mechanic feeds into the other one. So you always, whenever a new thing comes up, you always have a some implicit understanding of it because of your knowledge of the rest of the game um it's not like D where you can come across a new rule but it doesn't really have any ties to other rules you know it's quite separate mm. um which 5e does a bit better than than a lot of old rules i mean sometimes in like second edition you just come across a rule for something like hyper specific and like sometimes it, it wouldn't even use dice it'd be like flip a coin and i'm like what <laughs> <playing> why <laughs> you know, yeah you know, like it just that's some weird mechanics but Star Wars is not like that at all. It really is um, quite focused, which is good. So that was fun. We played for a few hours.
0: I think as well, though, you're you're a much better GM than you were... You know, even two or three years ago, playing D and D. So your your knowledge of just how to run, oh, regardless of me, no, no. But but it's it, you know it, it's for me as well. If you look at how I was running a game two years ago, you know it, it would be completely different. So I think your just general knowledge of how to build a story out for a new player as well will have helped his his ability to to get into
1: it. And I think if you tried to run D and D for him now, you'd be better at getting him into it as well. Yeah. And uh, what's fun as well is. Um... I just I don't, for some reason the Mechanics is a Star Wars game. They allow themselves to be played in a uh, like a solo game. because mm. um, it's just me and him um much, much easier. Like uh and because it is just me and him, it makes it difficult because I have to do a lot of the the legwork, you know, to yeah. to get the narrative going. Um it's like what we were talking about the other day, I specifically was doing lots of silly voices and things just yeah. to like break the ice a bit and make it a bit more natural and he he, he quite got into that um, and he's basically playing this Jedi Padawan character and it's cool I mean I think it's what's helped as well is every time he's tried to do something he's like for some reason like he's just smashing it and the dice have just really gone his way yeah it makes, makes him enjoy it more which it has like literally he's crit more times in this game than I've ever in Star Wars you know and I've played <laughs> Ten to fifteen sessions of the game, so it it was literally he crit like three times in that last session. Just insane, just insane.
0: I've had a very um, a very similar week, uh, week actually. So on Thursday, I played uh, the first session in I descent game for about maybe three weeks um which was a lot of fun it's a session that uh, D- uh, james a has been dying to run for us because we were the, we left the last session finally getting on some infernal hell machines and getting out on on these mechanical machines which are like there's there's t- uh, devil rides they're like motorbikes and then there's um this one called a scavenger which is like this big hulking like bus thing with this with harpoon guns on it and uh, they're really cool they've they've got um their own stat blocks their own acs and speeds and abilities and things so like um i'm on this motorbike riding through the through the, the literal hellscape like dust all around you red fire and you can just you can roll a dice check and see and, and pull a wheelie or do a burnout it's so cool so we were um we were doing this really fun encounter where we had to we were trying to help them fix one of their other machines because they could get us in good with a character called mad maggie who had something we needed so they were going to put a good word in for us if we helped them so we had to go and find these demon like dog things called hesveru um and they have these spikes and you have to harvest them off of them while they're alive obviously and uh and then they go in the machine and make it work and we were out i was on one of these these motorbikes um Yeruvian, our tabaxi character was on one of the bikes and then uh who hates my character (laughs) who have a lot of conflict was was on this scavenger with his harpoon gun and like you know we're describing riding through them and cutting them off and herding them um and when the the machines get hit with an attack if they take a certain amount of damage they have a a mishap threshold so then they they malfunction um so my motorbike took a couple of hits and started like spewing out smoke so it basically blinded me i couldn't see where i was going and i was like okay, but james did oh, i it? you know did i see the uh did i see the ravine coming up in the distance he's like yeah yeah you saw it you know it's there but you can't see it now and i'm like right basically what i want to do is take this motorbike up a, a crag jump it and as it's in the air i'm going to leap off of the bike knowing that it's you know pretty much done and try and land on the on the the other vehicle that's got everyone on it. So he's like yeah, absolutely go for it. You know, you, you can easily get up the ravine. You don't need to skill check that, but I need you to make a an acrobatics check to see if you can make the jump. I was well aware that this was going to be a difficult <laughs> check. And being a hexblade warlock with only two spell slots, I was like, now is the time to use one. And I kind of wanted to fail the save, which I did drastically. So James is there, you know, ready, like glee in his eyes. Like, okay, well, you begin to fall short, and you're gonna tumble and hit the ground. I'm like, oh, James, hang on, I'm use my spell slot to sprout devil wings and start flying. <laughs> it was, <laughs> oh, it was so so cool. <laughs> um, and we were doing this whole thing set to like pure heavy metal, like Metallica and uh, a
1: primo Victoria kind of soundtrack. Proper. How do you find? How do you find playing the warlock? Is it? i love like mechanically though like other than obviously yeah the the fluff around it is really fun mm-hmm. um but mechanically having only two spell slots so i've actually never really played one so is this it is, boring no after right a while? so
0: this is the thing i was worried that i would feel that way uh, but i'm playing hexblade obviously so yep. i was worried that and being someone who loves spellcasting, and being a wizard, I was really worried that was going to be the way. But I built my character into the story specifically, so he is connected with the Hidden Lord. So he he worships devils. Um, so he works with them, which is great for an adventure set in hell where everyone else hates them. Um, so whenever I do cast a spell, I always fluff it up with like Latin, and uh, and uh, and I build it in. You know, and I describe how it looks. Having only two, it's, it makes me think more carefully about what spells I pick and when I use them. But then I never feel like I can't do anything because I've always got Eldritch Blast, which is great. And I'm 7th level now, so I can fire two of those. And I've always got my Thirsting Blade and what other, the other invocation that means that I can attack twice. So I can always do a decent amount of damage if I just attack with my sword. Mm. And if I'm not attacking with my sword, I've picked my spells so carefully that they are big uh, things that that are concentration that lasts a while or that do massive attacks. So I've got hypnotic pattern because mm. you know that's that's a good one to have. Obviously, like if you want do you get do you get much in the way of short rests in your game? I yeah. find it's tricky to convince the others to short rest yeah um, and especially it, it, hell is a very very um uh what's the word uh, hazardous environment so there's always something and I would have thought if you'd have just told me like oh it's gonna be difficult to show your rest I would have thought oh maybe I don't want to be a warlock then but actually it's it's given more weight to my meaning and my choice so like when I cast a spell I know that okay, I might not get this back in a while so it's gonna be worth it um sometimes i feel like they go quickly so i've got um branding smite and i've got the invocation that lets me like basically do a smite as well but it uses a spell slot so if i really want to hit hard i can drop both of my spell slots then and there and basically one shot anyone but it's then like is it worth me using both of my spell slots to do that
1: Uh, yeah you know
0: and like i've got like uh one of the spells that i forget what they're called but it's like drops an aura out from me and that hangs around for like 10 minutes so like i've got things it it all feeds into itself i've I've actually it's probably the most optimized character i've built to be fair um but it it, i never find that i'm i'm bored i never find that i'm lost and i've got the hidden lord who gives me some extra abilities as my patron because he's he's currently trapped in a shield and my whole thing is to try and free him so he can yeah. he allows me to cast fireball like that's mental for me to have um so i don't i don't get bored um and if i ever do feel a little bit bored it all comes out from characterization that always fixes it and role play
1: but this uh... yeah that's fair i mean for, for me like i've found especially playing in Waterdeep. Mm-hmm. um i think that playing a rogue in, for me in any other setting would be really boring mm-hmm. um, because like even in combat in War Deep um, the, the rogue doesn't really have enough DPS so like enough damage in a single round really on its own to oftentimes to one shot anything. So you can't, you can't really stealthily assassinate guys. Obviously that's why there's the, you know, the assassin subclass for that. Yeah. But even then most of the time you can't. So that's not really how it plays as such. That's not really the fantasy fulfilling. And I find that I don't know why, even though you do more damage on the rogue sneak attack I just find it more fun to, to do multi-attacks because mm-hmm. I guess you're just rolling more. Um, yeah, I, I think in... it comes down to whether you want to roll roll more times or roll more dice in one go. I suppose, but I mean, I do like that because I like playing the paladin when you do that and you smite, but yeah. I find it in Waterdeep, I would be bored of the combat if I didn't if i hadn't sort of hacked the class a little bit and come up with these other gadgets and creative ways to use the fast hands like bonus action feature of the thief i don't think that's that's you hacking the class i just
0: think that's you building out your character
1: the way you want yeah yeah but i'm i'm like trying to optimize my build with yeah a lot of like really like you know I, i basically have an a bit of an at will stun on my bonus action. You know, it's not reliable as such, but mm-hmm. I do have it. You know, Um, but and if I didn't have those bits, I'd find it boring. I mean, the counterpoint is, is when it's really fun, and I wouldn't want to play anything of anything else in Dragon Heist because there's so much opportunity to sneak around and mm-hmm. and do espionage and break into places and stuff, which is obviously where my my character thrives at. That's sort of like specifically why I didn't really build him for combat anyway. He he's more of a um, an infiltrator. Yeah, but I just I'm just surprised because I, I I always thought this might be the case, but yeah, I won't I wouldn't necessarily want to play the rogue if it was in a more like traditional running around D D setting. You know, doing so um, in descent. Normal- adventuring things. We've got a rogue, but he's a swashbuckler,
0: so he's a different subclass. And he's he's enjoying it. He's having a lot of fun, but he's built his he's built his story first and his class second. So he's he wants he, he's a rogue that wants to become a wizard, which is quite interesting. Um mm. but he's he's having a lot of fun and um I've never I've never played rogue, I realized, and it's something I would like to try to do but he's playing a subclass i've never even looked at and he does all these fun little twists and things on the class that i've never seen before so i think there are there are spaces for the rogue in more traditional adventurings but you, you need to like look at the classes closely
1: yeah i mean like you've got obviously swashbuck Shosh, quite, quite changes the class quite a bit it makes mm. it a bit more of a fighter mm. um which is i suppose it's just a little bit different i mean i I think that i think for me just for playing the class the damage drops off too much for it to be like too too impactful like it's not too bad at right now at like level five mm-hmm. but i could see it getting a lot worse because you're essentially getting an extra d6 of damage every two levels yeah which is pretty slow you know that's pretty slow compared to you know every two levels a wizard's getting another like higher level spell slot. Um like so it's and I, I know you can't directly compare martial characters and spellcasters because they obviously perform different roles. And the rogue is there to you know for for skill checks more than anything mm. to be good at those. I mean that's why I probably will multi class into wizards, probably take Booming Blade and Green Flame Blade, because that'll up your DPS so a little bit. Yeah. Um just by having those um But yeah, no, I just found it interesting how how that class works. I suppose it's weird, though, how you feel about it, because you could say the exact same thing about, like, Paladin. You'd be like, okay, all you do is just hit things and smite. Yeah. For some reason, that just never gets old.
0: I think every class has that kind of facility to it. They all have that bit of, like, oh, you're just doing the same thing. Because even with Wizards, I, after a while, because finding new spells, depending on your DM and your adventure, can be difficult. And... Even then, if you're finding new spells all the time, it's expensive to copy those into your spell book. So, I find that I often am using the same spells all the time. So, I get to a point after a while, especially when we've been playing the same level for a long time, that I go, Oh, I'm just using Firebolt or Fireball or Sleep or Hypnotic Pattern over and over again. I want to use something different, but I don't have the money to copy the spells in or I haven't found any new spells. So, every every class I think has that aspect. but I, I think that only comes through in combat, really, because when you're in roleplay, you have the freedom to say, well, I want to try this, and and you know, oh, yeah, it yeah. can or can't work. So I think, and to be fair, I find, for my D D experience, that I spend more time in the free roleplay than in the combat, because that's the stuff that, that I like more. But then I was running, um, I ran the second session of my. Other Waterdeep game for the the group of brand new players, and they uh, they'd just gone through the sewers and encountered uh, a Gouth, um on their way to the Xanafer outpost. And um, we, I said, okay, well, let's roll initiative. And one of the brand new players went, "Oh, this is my favorite bit." And I was like, "Oh, is it really? That's that's quite interesting that this is your favorite bit outside of everything else." But they're they're less of role players than than our other group. So
1: i it depends the campaign you're in, like mm. on. I don't know. Uh, for me, it's generally fairly even, um, but I think you just crave one aspect of the game more than the other, depending on what you've been doing. You know, like when we play, weird, When we play Estroph, we and I'm playing my paladin. We'll we'll go like ages about combat, but then we'll do like combat for like six hours. Yeah. And then we'll go like it's it's just a, a game of extremes for some reason as to how it works out. I don't know end, why it's not going no combat for ages. And then we come up against like 40 different creatures, you know, and it's this massive battle. So it's a bit swingy in that. I suppose in, in Dragon Heist it's a little bit more um It's even. a little bit back and forth, yeah. But but I, I still like, I, it depends. If I'm doing a lot of fighting, I, I want to do a bit more sneaking around and some talking and stuff like that. But then if I if I do that too much, I'm like, okay, I just mm. want to hit something, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah. so I'm, I'm ready to plunge my dagger into someone's neck now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, it's, these, it's just these chronic tendencies. Um, Speaking of... Um... Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. It, it's strange. You know, what's, again, though, like going back to the, the Star Wars game, it combat and non-combat, for some reason, it feels more blended than D&D. And it's not necessarily a better or worse thing, mm. but it just... They don't feel as distinct mm-hmm. as in D&D, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't really know why why that is, but I think it's because in the Star Wars game, you get presented with checks, and for some reason for me, the skill checks and the combat checks just feel really similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because a lot of times they have very similar like roles and modifiers on them because of how the stats and things work. Yeah. So they just blend one to the other, whereas D&D obviously is very distinct. Like, okay, we are now rolling initiative. This is...
0: Yeah, I mean, you it, it literally is you call for initiative and then everything changes into a different format. Um, and I, I, I agree. I don't think there's a better or worse way. I think it's just different. Um, I quite like the the distinct difference between free play in combat because it it gets my brain into a different mode of thinking um Mm. so i i I quite like that but i I think it's just a preference thing i was running this game for this new group uh yesterday uh no friday friday night and um we had i've realized there's there's four players one of them is not a new player but doesn't have as much experience as the other group and the others are all pretty much brand new um and I've realized that two of them are the role players and two of them are very quiet, but when they speak, it's worth the wait. Had this um, Dragonborn. They were in a small corridor with an arrow slit at the end and they couldn't, the door at the end was locked. And so this Dragonborn blocks the arrow slit with a shield. And I was like, OK, but he was told to do that. So I was like, well, what is he going to do on his turn? Like this brand new player is in this position. He's been told to do something. <laughs> what What's going to happen? And there was that eureka moment where I was like, right, OK, Shaden, what do you want to do? He's like, can I... um. Can I take my shield off of the arrow slip, brief fire through it, and then put it back? <laughs> I was like, yes, absolutely! You can do that! Um, and it, they were only fighting goblins, and this is another thing I've experienced. Because they're all new, and they don't have the kind of uh, meta-knowledge of the system like you have and the other group have, they don't worry about using their resources. so he was using his fire breath on one goblin. He killed the goblin. It was a really cool moment. But because he doesn't have the meta knowledge of like what might come up in the rest of the adventuring day, he didn't go, oh, I should probably save my fire breath because we might fight up.
1: A... Yeah, but Ben, our group's got to be more optimized, mate. Because if I'd said that to you, you would have been like, yeah, okay, you remove your shield. Okay, now the 15 goblins are all going to take their ready to action. <laughs> Shoot you in the face.
0: Uh, there was only one goblin on the other side. so. But it's it's just interesting. And like the, the, the druid had one level two spell slot and was like i'm gonna use it to cast cure wounds on me because i've got five hit points and i was like yeah cool because they they were against the clock whereas i think another group with knowledge of the system might be like oh we could probably get away with having a short rest and then we could do this and then and then we could save that spell slot and do this and they're trying like worm their way around it whereas these guys are just like yeah i'll just use my spell slot i've got it i might as well
1: so (laughs) yeah i i wish (laughs) i kind of wish i had that a uh, sort of it makes it more realistic ignorance, i ignorance think of the game again yeah I mean, yeah it's difficult because um because i think that's that's what i feel with star wars at the moment because i don't understand the system fully right? yeah yeah so i'm being very kind of it keeps you on your toes doesn't it and and it's much more narrative based so the rules are a bit more loose and there is no multi-attacking. You only ever attack once per round. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't... They just want, You have, uh, like, a maneuver and an action. That's what you do. And that's, you know... And it's pretty laid out what you can do. But the action can be very, very narratively heavy mm-hmm. um, and have a lot of impact. Whereas in... As you say, like, in D&D, once you get to a certain level, it's like, okay, I could do some cool narrative thing like it gets to the point where it's okay i'm gonna plant these explosives and actually collapse the entire citadel on this creature but i'd probably do more damage if i did all four of my multi-attacks on it so So,
0: i the way i feel about this is like i think when you become a uh, a better player or not better player that's the wrong phrase when you've been playing for so long you almost have to learn to ignore the knowledge that you have because then you have more fun i think if with this new group, because they have none of this preconceived notion, they just do what feels right in the moment. They're never thinking, oh, I should save that for something in the future. So they're always flying by the seat of their pants. And so every situation they get into can be life or death because they might have already used all of their level two spell slots, for example. Um, and like because of that, I find they I get the more encounters where they have actually used some of their resources whereas with players who know the game they save all of their best resources for what they think will be the boss encounter at some point down the line which this this party they don't do because they don't have that knowledge so i feel like you almost have to as a player with experience of the game forget that voice in the back of your head that goes no Don't cast Fireball now on this group of five well-positioned goblins that would die instantly and would be really cool. Save it for that one boss with loads of hit points later on. Because if you forget that, you'll go, actually, yeah, Fireball does make more sense in this situation because there's a group of five put together in a small space. Whereas later on, using a Fireball on one enemy, like, yeah, more damage. But do you see what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean... I mean, I, I don't know why I would fireball the boss if he's on his own ben That'd be, that'd be silly. I mean, okay, fine, just, bad example. I, you know, would, I would, I'd do some sort of disabling, you know, crowd control effect on on him that would be devastating. Setting up my party to, you yep. know, either crit him or, or sleep him or do whatever need be. Ben, i mean um, come on, this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the,
0: the, I don't know it's just it's I think it's different ways of thinking and I think we as experienced players should almost forget that meta knowledge and it is difficult but you can train yourself to do it forget that that thing of oh I could do something really cool or I could just hit it four times and actually go no in this moment this really cool thing would be cool it doesn't matter if it does less damage it'll be fun and that's I the mean, the knowledge we should go in with
1: I think that's why I think like the best design classes. Is- are ones where you don't really have to do that. You can do your most optimal thing, and it's also the most narratively pertinent thing you could do. Mm. When those two things line up. And I think certain classes uh, do that quite well. Um, I mean, I actually think that the fighter does that quite well because when you play the fighter, you're designating yourself as the best one with the sword, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So when you do your attacks, which is generally the most effective thing you can do, it feels the most natural thing to do. Same with, um, with Paladin and Smiting. I mean, I, I enjoy the metagame in Paladin of trying to judge your resources um, as a Paladin and figuring out when is the best time to drop those those big smites because are you get so few of them and they're so like effective mm-hmm. in their their delivery that's a I, I think that's a good mechanic so because that is generally the most effective thing you can do it's not just a win button it's, you have to think about it and it generally has the most narrative impact as well and it's what you're sort of uh, designed to do whereas like, i feel i feel like i don't know with the I say with the rogue it it, it, sneaking and sneak attacking doesn't feel as satisfying i think it's because when if you play a rogue from level one um on those low levels it really is effective and you generally you generally can one shot anything you come across um you can be that deadly assassin you can sneak around you can do this and that and you your damage output is greater then the other classes, um, if you get that sneak attack off, um, bar maybe like the monk at level one. Um, it's so hilarious how the rogue and the monk at like low levels, it's just beastly, and then they just like <laughs> fall off a cliff. You know mm. what I mean? It just.
0: It's like a druid, <laughs> a druid of the moon, second uh, of the moon, oh, at level yeah. three or something. Is it level oh, three or level four? God, no, I'm level just... two, level two druid of the moon. When when everyone else oh, is is about to get their their level three spike, and they're like already up there. <laughs>
1: yeah the, the moon druids are ridiculous at low levels mm. literally ridiculous you go you go from having like i don't know 15 hp to like 40 yeah you know yeah. and <laughs> it, and you have these massive attacks it's just yeah moon druids are really fun but again they they just drop off horribly at like level five six i think it's know.
0: it's less of like it's less that they suddenly lose their their power it's just that they then they all begin to level out a bit and then they spike again and then they level out again but they all yeah. do it at different points so it feels like oh i've i've got this massive spike now but i'm not going to get anything for a while while everyone else gets their spikes it does kind of it, it, it levels out because you know as a player playing one class i might sit here and be like god you're so much stronger than me right now but then two levels down the line it will be reversed and that player will be looking at me going god you're so much stronger than me right now
1: unless you're the ranger yeah, you yeah. In, it's, in this case she's just, just awful just a little downhill trip after level five really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just take your wheels, just take your feet off the pedals and just coast.
1: So this is why I think Wizard is so much fun, because mm. from it's a bit of a struggle to get to level five as a wizard, to be fair. Yeah. But once you get there, it's pretty much smooth sailing from then on, I think. I just from I've not really played much Wizard, but just from seeing the Wizards in my games, they're always extremely effective after that point because but then you've got your hypnotic patterns your fireballs and whatnot. it's all really effective and then two levels down the line you're getting level 4 spells you know you're getting watery sphere and banishment and things like that Do you know what
0: i've been reading some of the forgotten realms novels because i always wanted to read some of the dritz books so i picked them up i've read the first two of the first trilogy and i'm going to read the third one and then i'll decide whether i want to go further in and i picked up the first elminster book i found it for like three quid at a second secondhand shop. so i was like yeah i'll read it and the one thing i really like about them and bear in mind they came out in like the 80s but they they depict wizards as these mental and actually quite terrifying beings like everybody fucking hates wizards they're so scared of them and when you think about it that makes so much sense because they could literally just you know they're all a little bit unhinged because they've spent god like 50 years in a tower reading books they're all a little bit mental and power hungry and at any moment if you piss one off they could explode you and so all of these people in these books are terrified of wizards and i'm like god that makes so much sense but that never never seems to come across in any of the games that i play
1: yeah i know what you mean i like the fluff there i mean i try to give that a bit of impact in my world in the are like wizards in my world are quite heavily regulated right mm-hmm. and you can't just practice magic freely and it's it has a lot of essentially government lockdown on it because that again the government's afraid of these people they're very dangerous people that are uncontrollable you know the, the world that does this the best is dragon age mm-hmm where essentially all the wizards in Dragon Age have to be live and basically live in these locked up towers. And they, they're they used as resources for the government and in warfare and things like that. But you can only practice magic in these towers. If not, if you don't do that and you just leave, you're essentially branded an apostate and hunted, hunted down and killed. Yeah. You know, because they, they're just so afraid of any... Um, mages that are just out on the loose and you can imagine it would be really scary i think the difference is like if you have a paladin or a cleric they're like they're tempered by some form of understanding in terms of their religion you know Mm -hmm. they have there's an understanding to them that they have limitations not fit like physically or based on their magic but limitations based on their beliefs that stop them from being you know crazy people (laughs) or, or or as scary right there's something because they're tied into society in a way that you know and presumably people around them follow the similar religions you can get an understanding of their headspace through it whereas a wizard and I guess a sorcerer as well which they just they're just alien mm. to normal people you know there's and I think the wizard's even more scary than the sorcerer because it's like the wizard is like this bloke has actually gone out and seeked all this knowledge yeah he sought it out whereas the source is born with it yeah if the source is born with it you just think okay that person they're dangerous they've got this crazy magic powers but it is what it is that's their their life whereas whereas the wizard is like how can you trust a wizard because it's someone who's just literally massively gone out of their way well this is a thing to seek this mad power you got but how can you trust someone like that (laughs)
0: And you hear about all of these stories of wizards who have gone off the deep end and and sought out how to become liches and and they they get to a point where they go, oh, I've got all this power and I've, I've spent the majority of my life studying and now I want to use it all, but I'm going to die in the next 20 years. So I need to find some dark evil power to extend my life. Like you don't just do that. That's not just something that happens. You don't just suddenly make that decision. It's not like the next phase in life. You have to be unhinged. And I think everyone plays wizards as these really scholarly thought out intelligent people and yes they're intelligent but i think more often than not it's more kind of evil genius intelligence it's more off the rails kind of i've lost the plot but i'm really bloody smart yeah they're like zuckerberg (laughs) yeah exactly they are pure world domination kind of kind of people
1: yeah, it's yeah. When you think about it like that, it's it's difficult to put that cross in game, I suppose. Um, but but I, I think if you do it well, it it pays off. Yeah, but as like you say, there should be a serious fear around it because even if okay, you come across this really great, powerful fighter that could just just kill you in one shot, very easily, no problem. He's still less scary because he's still just under, a man. You, you understand what a sword is, mm. you know, but you just you can't understand the depths of. Um, a wizard's capabilities you know and I think and I when think- you
0: look at like Faerun and you look at Waterdeep as well there are wizards there are people with magic magic is everywhere it's a high fantasy setting but there I think the the struggle and the thing we we should focus on is um showing the difference between magic being everywhere and people being used to it and wizards who know everything almost or or at least people perceive them to know everything like in when i look at waterdeep there's actually only two m- mages and 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 like you know like arch like not just a wizard not just a mage but like arch mages like really powerful wizards um and one of them runs the city with the open lord the other one is in hiding
1: mm so i th- i think this is like it's kind of similar to me um Cause I was thinking about this the other day how to differentiate devils and demons and those kind of characters. And I think what makes demons sort of demonstrably more terrifying than devils is just they have no, like a devil can be reasoned with. Yeah. And you understand its motivations. Its motivations, it wants to become more powerful. It wants to take things from people, whatever it wants to do. But a demon just like, just wants to kill everything. It's you know, just it has chaos, no. Yeah. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason for its uh, it's depravity. It just does, you know, and that's horrifying on a kind of HP Lovecraft level of, mm-hmm. of, of terror. And I think that wizards are the same because you just look at them and you're like, you have all the power... Like, why <laughs> what and yeah you can make them more understandable and but i think wizards are almost more interesting we don't describe their motivations or intent mm-hmm. you always have an air especially with NPC wizards they have an air of um complete mystery complete strangeness about them and i yeah. think that i don't know I, I i i was kind of happy how i portrayed it a little bit like at the start of my campaign you guys uh interacted with a high level wizard mm-hmm. um in his cave uh it yeah, he kind of teleported one of your um, PCs to him and had a conversation and things, and he found one of his stuff. But I, I tried as best I can to not. I made him actually quite friendly and quite personable, mm-hmm. um, and he seemed quite young and that and whatnot. But obviously, he's very powerful because he just transported one of your, your player characters like across many miles and dimensions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to have that degree of. Of strangeness, you know. I think someone who spends their whole life studying this stuff should be, at the very least, a little bit strange and a little bit think... unnerving to be around.
0: Do you think I portray Orlo in that kind of way? Does
1: he have that air of mystery to him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, is why I, this is why I believe he is the villain of the campaign bit. It's just. There's no joke here, Ben. He is a monster on the inside. I'm sure of it. What makes you think that, though? Like, t- tell me your thinkings. Oh, okay, Ben. Okay, let me let me go to exhibit one. Okay, Ben. The okay. first, uh, the first inkling I get of what um, Orlo's about or what he wants, Ben, is he said he's trying to find a hand, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, he's lost a hand. Uh, you know, he's a, is an amputee, but he's already got a magic hand, so that's a bit bit weird why would he want a hand benny to benny's like and i thought okay maybe he wants a way to repair himself no no he he physically wants to go find a hand a specific hand ben that's concerning from day one i'm not gonna (laughs) lie to you i'm not gonna lie to you okay um it's the nonchalant way he casts his spells uh is my second exhibit um let me just describe how he will careless like you know as if as if it affects him in no way, as if it pings on his humanity in no way, he will happily just vaporize. Give me an example. Dis- destroy numerous lives. He just just flicks his little pipe, Ben, and a fireball comes out of it, yeah? And it, and he murders 10 people, and he just carries on smoking like nothing's happened. That is weird. That is the sign of a psychopath right there, okay? Like, that's terrifying. You think, he's just done that to these, like, these people. What, what could he do to me? I live with a man. Mm-hmm. I sleep like two rooms away from him, mm. you know, mm. like that that's concerning. Um, he keeps getting strange letters, Ben, yeah. um, which is, you know, letters that like talk to him or have strange things go on. He just left for a week, Ben, and came back with a strange lady and just refuses to tell me what he was up to. Just, <laughs> just refuses, you know, um, that's concerning, Ben, you know, that's concerning. Mm. Um Yes, so I think there's some evidence to believe that he's the villain of the campaign. So what uh, I'm
0: getting from this then is that
1: I am role-playing him correctly, which is, which is yes, good to he know. Yes, he feels uh, terrifying. This is why my character just, like, never wants him around, you know? <laughs> he, and he's trying to... He's trying to. I mean, last session he tried to breach some humanity into him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was more for Cowrie's um, benefit than it was all those, just mm-hmm. to make him feel better about being around the bloke. Yeah. Um,
0: What's quite interesting is that... Um, there's a there's a specific piece of hidden information that you could get if you wanted to uh, but you have to get it a specific way that um gives you a little bit more of a, a, an idea of which way he leans on the on the alignment
1: scale which is quite fun <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i think cowrie spent his whole life around criminals well, these very nasty people very dangerous people yeah uh, but they all have fairly clear motivations yeah even the ones that are mental still want things um, like that are understandable like money power influence mm-hmm. etc um, what is all I want not really sure to be honest <laughs> um, <laughs> you know <laughs> it sounds bad whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> I like this a lot okay um,
0: we were gonna we were gonna talk about something today Um we were going to talk about uh, we got a very nice email from a friend of the show Gabe who's emailed before Um he wanted to uh, wanted us to talk about factions because we've sp- spoken about them a lot and how we run them but Joe we've just spent 45 minutes just chatting about D&D and I've really enjoyed it so I think maybe we should um, we should do that next yeah, we'll, week
1: we'll do that one next time because that's what that's a meaty one we can um, yeah into.
0: we've both got a lot of experience in that um, I don't really know what we've spoken about today but it's been fun
1: yeah yeah well sometimes you just need these catch ups don't you yeah, yeah. What are we, what, no. what what the hell are we going to call this
0: episode? I don't know. Now we're going to go play D&D, man. I know. It's going to be... Oh, it's going to be so good, man. I've played so much D&D over the last, what, four weeks of, of isolation. And I miss doing it in person, but I'm so glad of the frequency at which I've been getting to play.
1: Yeah, yeah. It has its different... Um pros and cons i was kind of thinking about this the other day in that i in some ways i get more immersed playing online than i do in person mm-hmm. which is like counterintuitive but when obviously we have we, we listen on discord to each other and we have you know like cams so we can see each other but we've got music most of the time i'm not looking at the cams because you know, i'm not generally getting much unless I, i'm finding it difficult someone too difficult to understand over the internet, you know, yeah. I don't generally, I'm just listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm just sitting in my room, there's no other distractions or anything. And i am just got my headphones in. I'm like f- fully immersed in what's in this world. It makes it almost easier for me to imagine it because I think okay, if I'm in person, I'm sitting next to one. I generally don't look at people when they're speaking anyway. Mm. I'm generally just staring off into the middle distance, mm-hmm. imagining what they're saying you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it, it it kind of is similar but with just less distractions now i guess that kind of depends because how people role play like when our group a lot of the time when we're in person i mean you know sometimes i'll like stand up to demonstrate what, what oh, my yeah, we doing. stand up we
0: we or we, we grasp each other's
1: shoulders or we or, i mean you and i and have br- put he- foreheads together at one point I know it, it was intense. It was amazing. But even like, you know, every time Galahad swings his sword, I like physically swing a sword in real life, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, just, yeah. To, just to demonstrate. Like, to, And if, when you begin to physically embody the character, that's where being in person really helps. But when it's a bit more low key, I almost find online is a bit more, um, I don't know, just more immersive because there's no distractions. I'm just there in the world listening to what's going on. But...
0: No, I completely agree. I think there's two different, there's two different, um, things there and I've said it before I think when you get together as friends you get together as friends first you play D&D second but when you jump online you're kind of you're there to play D&D first because there's none of that preamble none of that chatter and and it's 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 just a different feel but there is um something about the two different styles that obviously everyone can do both but people have their preferences so I know like Wes and Fee they both like being in person more because it's then like it's like a group activity more then for them which I completely get on board with but i find as a dm sometimes in person there's too much um too much of the jovial like friendly banter and and i want a bit more of that let's focus on the story side of things like I think so that we though, get online but
1: i but i switch back as well sometimes i want it the other way so i think though the reason for that is because when we play in person we generally only see each other most of the time once every like two weeks yeah you know and everyone's busy so yeah well that's playing dnd but it's also like a just a hangout get together day yeah you know like it, it fulfills both purposes whereas when you're playing online it pretty much is just to play dnd do you know, you know what i think that's the focus
0: i think what quarantine has taught me in dnd is that maybe we should instead of having because we built our Waterdeep game is the game that we play in person and then the others like your game was always online so the war deep was always going to be in person and the others kind of happened when we could do them i feel like maybe post quarantine when everyone's allowed back out again we should alternate we should do one session online one session in person
1: get the Mm. best of both worlds yeah and you probably get more more playing time in as well absolutely yeah yeah
0: oh well look this has been fun um we will jump on a proper, more fully formed, focused topic next week. We've got one in the bag ready to go. If you do have a topic you want to send our way, like Gabe has, and um, we will we will get to it next next week, mate, I promise, um, f- drop us an email at wespeakcommon at hotmail.com. You can tweet us at wespeakcommon on Twitter. Our website is wespeakcommon.com. You can message us there. Or if you see a post about us on Reddit, it's usually me. So drop me a message and get in touch with me there too. Indeed, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh we've got fifteen minutes, so go get a drink, go get some snacks, and I, will, I will meet you on Discord for uh for some DD in a bit, Joe. Oh my goodness. Oh, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favour, leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at we Speak Common or through the email Common at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license, CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.